70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Уважаемые сотрудники и радиослушатели KBS World Radio, меня зовут Роман Новиков, я из России. Hello to the staff members and the listeners of KBS World Radio. My name is Roman Novikov, and I live in Russia. My favorite radio station is celebrating its 70th anniversary. This year is a special one for me personally as well, because it's been exactly 30 years since I started to listen to KBS World Radio. It taught me so much about Korea. We didn't have the internet back then, and KBS World Radio was the only way for me to learn many interesting facts about Korea. I've been an official monitor for the Russian service for quite a while now, and I happily plan on tuning in for many years to come. I wish everyone at KBS World Radio health and success. Thank you for your hard work. Seventy years with KBS World Radio, seventy years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. Tuesday, the 12th of December. Welcome to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. I'm Koo Hee-jin, filling in for Kwon jong for the rest of the week. President Yoon Suk-yeol landed in Amsterdam on Monday to begin his four-day state visit as South Korea and the Netherlands seek to enhance ties. We'll have more on our news briefing shortly. And for our in-depth today, we talk about multiculturalism and inclusivity amid the rise in non-Korean population in the country. Plus, we chat with Sunny Young, the South Korean-born Singaporean national footballer for Touch Base in Seoul. We have all this and more on Korea 24. President Yoon Suk-yeol kicked off the second day of his state visit to the Netherlands with an official welcoming ceremony hosted by King Willem Alexander and his wife Queen Maxima. Yoon and First Lady Kim Gon-hee inspected the honour guards at the ceremony. For more on this story and other headlines of the day, I'm joined by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel, uh, Daniel Chair. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Eugene. Good to be with you. Now, cooperations in the chip sector is expected to be the biggest focal point, considering the Netherlands is home to major chip-making equipment uh, companies like ASML. Uh, Do give us the updates for the trip. Well, on Tuesday, a grand welcoming ceremony hosted by King Willem Alexander and Queen Maxima was held at the Royal Palace in Amsterdam for Yoon and First Lady Kim Gonni, a grand one, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The welcoming ceremony marked the official start of Yoon's state visit to the Netherlands. 
Before that, on Monday, the couple arrived at Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam on Monday, receiving an aerial escort by the Dutch Air Force, greeted by Dutch government and royal officials, clearly indicating they spared no effort in welcoming the first South Korean leader to make a state visit there since diplomatic ties were established in 1961. Mm-hmm. The president began his state visit with a dinner meeting with South Koreans residing in the European country, where he reiterated that his trip will focus on boosting semiconductor cooperation to a chip alliance. Mm-hmm. Also on Tuesday's itinerary of wreath at a war memorial, mm-hmm. luncheon with King Willem Alexander and a state dinner with the King Yoon will visit the HQ of semiconductor manufacturing powerhouse ASML. Also joining him will be Samsung Electronics Executive Chair Lee Jae-yong and SK Chairman Che Tae-won. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Korea on Tuesday, Prime Minister Han Dok-su said during a briefing that summit diplomacy by Yoon will serve as a catalyst for the two countries to complement each other in the chip sector. The PM highlighted there's great potential for cooperation as Korea has strengthened semiconductor manufacturing, while the Netherlands has strengthened design and equipment. Mm-hmm. Defense Ministry announced it will bolster missile defense system in five years. Now, do give us the details of the upgrade plans. Yes, the decision to bolster missile defense system with the deployment of surface-to-air missile systems by 2028 was included in its midterm defense blueprint for 2024 to 2028, released on Tuesday. Also, there are various reinforcement strategies to maintain and improve defense capabilities with a five-year budget of 350 trillion won, or 266 billion U.S. dollars. Not to mention plans to establish a multi-layered missile defense system with the complete deployment of the Chungung-2 mid-range surface-to-air missile system and the long-range surface-to-air missile system. Mm It also calls for reinforcement of deterrence capabilities under the military's three-pronged system, Mm -hmm. including the Korea massive punishment and retaliation, an operation to incapacitate North Korean leadership in a major conflict, the preemptive kill chain and the Korea air and missile defense system. Now, shifting our focus to the political arena, ruling People Power Party representative Chang Jae-won declined to run for the fourth term in April elections. That's right. At a press briefing on Tuesday, Chang Jae-won announced he will not seek a fourth term as the party reels from radical recommendations by its innovation committee ahead of the April election. Mm -hmm. Chang is considered a key member of a group of PPP heavyweights close to President Yoon. He said he'll cheer for the party's victory while serving the country with a title. Mm-hmm. The three-term lawmaker said nothing is more urgent than the success of the Yoon administration, adding that an election victory is the minimal condition for success and urging the party to use him as a stepping stone. Mm-hmm. Zhang said he pondered setting out while serving as chief of staff on the government's transition team. Mm-hmm. He reached the decision, the decision after the PPP's innovation committee urged party heavyweights and its leadership to step aside and allow fresh faces, young ones to run in favorable districts while veterans compete for seats the party historically loses or sit out entirely. Chang initially strongly opposed that suggestion. I see. And on the other side of the aisle, a former DP leader met with a lawmaker from the main opposition bloc that turned independent to discuss the future of the party. Now, can you explain? So at his office on Monday, former Democratic Party leader Lee Nagyun held talks with DP turned independent lawmaker Lee Sang Min. They agreed it was necessary to gather great people who share the same ideas, with the lawmaker criticizing the party to be mostly comprised of blind followers of Lee Jae Myung and the current DP chief and former presidential candidate who is under investigation for various allegations. Mm-hmm. The meeting is held after Lee Nagyun, the former prime minister, indicated that he may start a new party. There was even mention of being open to joining a new party led by former People Power Party leader Lee Jun-sok. 
Meanwhile, all able Korean men are required to serve in the military and celebrities are no exception. As of Tuesday, all BTS are serving in their country, with Jungkook and Jimin being the latest to be enlisted. Yes, a duo began their mandatory military service Tuesday, meaning hiatus for all seven members of BTS. Mm-hmm. The two entered the same army boot camp just a day after two other members, RM and V, enlisted at different training centers. The quartet will work as active duty soldiers before being discharged in June 2025. Three other members are already in service. Jin, the oldest, was the first to join last December. Mm-hmm. Suga is currently serving as a social service agent due to his severe shoulder injury. I see. And in response to lawmakers' push to eradicate dog meat consumption, those reliant on the industry to make a living held a press conference calling for an end to such measures. Dog meat farmers held a press conference on Tuesday to call for an end to attempts to ban the trade. In front of the National Assembly building, the association said consuming the product is an individual right. Mm -hmm. That a unilateral ban by the government and parliament without considering public opinion is abuse of power. And the government's support for businesses, distributors, farms and restaurants forced to convert or close. The association members demanded compensation with a value equivalent to a permanent closure of the entire industry must be provided first. That would be around 2 million won or 1,520 U.S. dollars per dog for a five-year period. The government and the ruling People Power Party are pushing for the enactment of a special law to end dog meat consumption within the year. And that's it for news briefing of the day. Thank you for bringing us those updates. Thank you so much for having me. Korea is not far from being categorized a multicultural, multiracial nation, according to OECD standards, where the percentage of people from multicultural backgrounds surpassed 5% of the total population. Data released by the Ministry of Interior and Safety last month showed that the number of foreigners residing in the country reached a record high of 2.26 million as of November last year. That figure accounts for 4.4% of the total population. And there's been call for changes in public perception and systems to make the country more inclusive for the international community living here. To discuss further on this, we are joined in the studio by journalist Kim Bolin from The Korea Times, who has written several pieces on these issues. Uh, Welcome to the show, Ms. Kim. Thank you. It's good to be here. Wonderful. And first off, could you paint us a picture of how diverse South Korea has become in recent years? Right. So data shows that both the number of foreign residents and the percentage they account for in the total population has continued to rise over the past decades. Foreigners accounted for just above 1% of the total population in uh, 2006, Mm -hmm. but the figure grew to 2.5% in uh, 2011 and 3.4% 3.4% in 2016. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned in the intro, foreign residents accounted for a record high percentage of 4. 4.4% last year. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, driven by a growing influx of foreign students who are coming to study here amid the K-culture boom. Mm-hmm. And uh, the number of migrant workers is also on the rise. And all this has to do with 
Korea's aging population, which we will talk about a little more mm-hmm. in detail mm-hmm. later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, what measures has the South Korean government been taking to respond to the growing number of foreign residents in South Korea? Now, I have seen a growing uh, number of neighbors who are from uh, Southeast Asia and China, um, as well as other na- uh, other countries. So can you uh, talk about South Korean uh, government's uh, response? Right. So there is a basic support system for foreigners at the local government level. And local governments with high percentages of foreign residents, such as uh, Hwasong City and Gyeonggi province, they've begun offering benefits such as education subsidies for children um, equal to those that Korean families receive. Mm-hmm. And the Yoon song administration is now planning to launch an agency that is dedicated to immigration affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, these duties are dispersed across multiple ministries, uh, which has given rise to inefficiency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, and uh, there has been, it, it's, a, it's been a long time coming. We needed to have a, a sort of like a, a center that uh, brings together all the uh, policies. Right. Uh, and I understand the government doubled the E9 visa uh, quota this year due to labor shortages. And the E9 visa is issued for migrant workers wanting to engage in mm-hmm. jobs that require manual or non-professional labor. Right. Now, how effective has this been? So, like you mentioned, serious labor shortages led the government to double the quota for E-9 visas from 69,000 in 2022 to 120,000 this year. Mm -hmm. Um, The government also set up a new quota for the shipbuilding sector. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, But the government has recognized that this manpower shortage is not limited to these sectors that span manufacturing, farming, fisheries, construction, mm-hmm. and shipbuilding. Mm-hmm. So next year, uh, workers who obtain the E-9 visa after April can also work in restaurants as part of the government's test trial. Mm-hmm. And those who obtain the E-9 visa after July mm-hmm. will be able to work in forestry and mining as well. Uh-huh. So this is part of the government's plan to boost the quota of this visa to 165,000, mm-hmm. which is 37.5% up from this year's figure and also the largest figure since Korea introduced the employment permit system Mm -hmm. uh, under which it began to accept migrant workers to work in labor-intensive industries in uh, 2004. Mm, So we're going to see an even higher number, a record number, Mm -hmm. uh, over uh, topping itself next year and the following years. So what are some of the difficulties that face uh, migrants living in South Korea right now? So, yeah, there have been various surveys and studies. Um, We've referred to these um, during our reporting. And uh, according to a Statistics Korea survey Mm. released in September, uh, the language barrier and loneliness were cited as some of the greatest barriers, uh, some of the greatest difficulties Mm. foreigners residing in Korea faced. Mm. And um, a 2020 national report issued by the Human Rights Commission showed that Almost 70% of migrants had experience of discrimination Mm. at places, various places, spanning government institutions, educational, medical, financial institutions, as well as commercial facilities such as restaurants and coffee shops. And um, we actually spoke, uh, we had the opportunity to speak to an immigrant Mm -hmm. who told us that 
he was denied a mortgage at a bank when he was planning to purchase his home. Oh, no. And, um, yeah, we've heard from others as well that it's difficult for foreigners to get loans. And even if they do get a loan, mm-hmm. the interest rates tend to be much higher for them. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the immigrant we spoke to, he ended up uh, borrowing from his friends and then he finished paying them back. Yes, yeah. and, and uh, as you say in your article, there is a long road ahead for Korea to ready itself to become a more welcoming country for migrant workers. Mm. Now, what more needs to be done to help the situation? Right, so along with efforts to remove discrimination Mm policy-wise, Korea needs to better educate the public about why the country needs to welcome migrants. A professor and expert in multicultural research, he told us the reason Koreans tend to have a poor understanding of different cultures is Mm -hmm. because... You know, schools have taught students for decades that the country is mono-ethnic. And Koreans have been instilled a sense of pride about this. Mm -hmm. But really, times have changed, and accepting migrants is the only way for Korea to keep its economy going. Mm -mm -mm. Um, I was quite surprised to hear from a Korean professor at a dental school recently Mm -hmm. um, that patients at dental clinics, they do not welcome the idea of being treated by someone who is wearing a hijab. Oh, case in point. So, um, and we also came across other cases where a migrant was denied a job opportunity because she was wearing a hijab. Mm-mm. So, um, yeah, the government as well as schools should play a key role in helping Koreans attain a better understanding of other cultures. Yeah, that kind of mm-hmm. a, a, a phenomenon, where we could see that even during the COVID-19 in Western uh, societies That's as right. well. And that, unfortunately, is happening in South Korea too. Now, in your article, you say uh, also say that uh, experts say that uh, with the rising number of older foreign residents, uh, local governments need to begin to prepare uh, uh, to address their needs. Uh, could you elaborate more? on that issue. Right, so uh, much of the discourse on an aging population has centered on the Korean population Mm -hmm. because the foreign population tends to be relatively younger Mm -hmm. as one of the main purposes of foreigners entering the country is for work. Mm -hmm. But data shows that the foreign population in Seoul has also been aging with those over 50 accounting for 36.2% of Seoul's population as of 2020. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. um, experts are saying, so not only Seoul, but also other local governments, they Mm -hmm. need to prepare for, say, an upcoming surge in demand for aged care, Mm -hmm. whether this be residential care or hospital facilities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I have several uh, foreign correspondent friends who who have uh, worked so long in Korea, they have decided to retire here as well. So Mm -hmm. um, they are facing the same issue. Uh, What can South Korea learn from other countries to be more inclusive uh, towards uh, foreigners and the international community living here? Right. So as part of our reporting on our series on policy for immigrants, we did some research into Australia, which is one of the world's major immigrant nations. Uh, Mm -hmm. We learned about Australia's special broadcasting service, which is a multilingual and multicultural broadcaster that offers programs in more than 60 languages. Mm-hmm. And experts have referred to the establishment of this broadcaster in 1978 as being as having played a key role in enhancing intercultural understanding in Australia, Mm -hmm. which is one of the most diverse countries in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, SBS in its early years aired sports and films of countries around the world, Mm -hmm. and this helped 
the Australians from Europe mm -hmm. with a European background obtain a better understanding of people of other cultures. Mm -hmm. The second point we uh, learned is that Australia has also incorporated uh, intercultural understanding into its school curriculum uh -huh. as one of the seven general capabilities that students should aim to attain, mm -hmm. such as literacy and numeracy. I found this quite interesting. Mm -mm -mm. So in the curricul uh, curriculum, acquiring intercultural understanding is divided into six steps so that students can develop this capability in a step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm, I see. And South Korea does have its work cut out for itself in tackling uh, inclusivity and social and administrative support to yes. foster a better and more diverse Definitely. multicultural society. And that was uh, Ms. Kim Bo-un, a reporter from The Korea Times. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index gained 9.91 points, or 0.39% on Tuesday, to close the day at 2,535.27. The tech-heavy KOSDAQ also rose, gaining 4.28 points, or 0.51%, to close at 839.53. On the foreign exchange, the local currency rose 2.51 against the U.S. dollar closing the day at 1,314.1. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. Next up, we have our daily segment, Korea Trending, where we check out key words and issues that are trending online in South Korea. And we have Diane Yu in the studio to introduce them to us. Hello, Diane. Hello, Jin. Nice <laughs> to see you again. Nice to see you too. OK, so let's get straight into the first story. Well, these days, it's convenient to make a doctor's appointment in advance using a smartphone app so you don't have to wait long at the hospital or clinic. Mm -hmm. It's so popular now that one app developed in Korea has accumulated more than 10 million subscribers this year. Mm -hmm. However, it's now becoming hard for people who are not used to using smartphones, such as the elderly, to make such appointments. Mm, I, I am completely agree. I completely agree with you. Mm. I have several apps as well on right. that, and one in particular that I use often. Um, and uh, it's linked definitely to the each of the doctors, mm -hmm. uh, and it's very easy to, to register and get right. a prescription. Mm -hmm. But I had to help an elderly person who was not very um, uh, used to that. Uh, right, of course. App. Yeah. So uh, people are even saying that there's an inequality problem when it comes to waiting in line. Looking at a hospital reservation app last month, people in their 30s and 40s accounted for 75.5% of the total number of users, while the figure for those aged 60s uh, years old, year or older was only 3%. Mm -hmm. This shows that the elderly could be feeling left behind and have no choice but to wait in line for hours. Mm -hmm. And what could be the cause of another set of issues is the fact that the app, which was originally free to use, was changed to a subscription-based service three mm -hmm. months ago. Mm -hmm. Meaning that those who cannot afford to pay the subscription fee has, have to change a uh, wait longer. Mm -hmm. And I believe the elderly people are having a hard time, as, a, as we said, at bigger hospitals because they've digitized their processes as well. Right. 
right. Large hospitals are following the trend of digitizing all the pre- and post-treatment processes for patients. Elders face a great inconvenience because they have to make medical appointments and make insurance claims through kiosks as well as hospital apps. Yes, and people should have a fair chance uh, to get a- uh, access to medical services. And, right. and due to recent uh, the move to digitize uh, all aspects of our lives, there mm. seems to be a blind spot and is the government trying to address this inequality issue? Eight medical institutions that accepted appointments only through reservation apps and refused those walk-in patients received administrative guidance from local governments. Mm -hmm. The Ministry of Health and Welfare stated that the act of registering for treatment only through a specific method may constitute a refusal of treatment under the Medical Service Act. Mm -hmm. Chong Sun-dur, a professor at the Department of Social Welfare at Ihua Women's University, said that medical digitization has caused significant difficulties for the elderly in receiving essential medical services and emphasized the need to leave room for such people to get proper medical service without using those apps and kiosks. It's very true. We have to find a way to uh, make sure that we leave no people behind uh, uh, to let these people fall in through the crack. Mm. Now, um, hopefully a good balance can be found between Mm -hmm. digitization and uh, keeping a uh, balanced structure. Right. Uh, Let's move on to the second story. The flourishing K-pop culture across the world has brought about one environmental consequence, plastic waste. Mm -hmm. Recently, as the culture of purchasing and then throwing away albums spreads among K-pop fans, related waste has been found to have increased significantly. Now, there's a specific name for that trend, right? It's called album gang. Yes. (laughs) What does that mean exactly? Well, Album gang means buying a large amount of the same album of a specific singer or group. The reason fans do this is to get photo cards that come with albums and tickets to fan signing events. As some groups can have as many as 10 to 12 members, fans end up buying as many physical copies as possible until they find their favorite member's photo card. Uh, Also, one fan signing event ticket is usually provided per album. So the more they buy, the higher the chance of attending such events. Oh my God, it's like uh, uh, raising the stakes or raising the possibility or percentage uh, with a lottery. So, right. But the, this problem uh, gives uh, is that many throw away the plastic albums and, 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 and any, any other goods that they don't need and that turns into waste. Exactly. According to data from the Ministry of Environment, the plastic waste created by domestic entertainment companies from those albums increased approximately 14-fold from 55.8 tons in 2017 to 801.5 tons last year. Whenever a K-pop act releases a new album, it's not hard to spot physical copies being discarded on the streets and subways near the agency. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's very hard to recycle them, so oftentimes they're just thrown away with the regular waste. That's because the packaging and items that come with the purchase are made of various materials that cannot be disposed of separately. In order to alleviate the problem, an official from a large entertainment agency said that they'll try to use eco-friendly materials when producing albums in the future. Yes, 
Yes, and, and artists won't like to see their uh, hard work thrown in the waste as either. And, and most, many of them are very interested in environmental issues. Right. Uh, so they may have to take the lead in addressing this issue mm-hmm. as well. Now, maybe uh, now moving on to the next topic, and we are seeing the end of the year, and Google is addressing that issue as well. Yes, so with the year coming to a close, the search engine Google has released its Year in Search 2023 list. This is an annual list that shows the top trending searches from a number of categories such as news, people, games, and more. The phrases with the highest spikes in traffic compared to last year made it to the top. And we found out on Monday local time that Korea's traditional dish, Pibimbap was the search engine's most searched recipe globally. Uh, Espeto, a, spe- a Spanish fish skewers dish, and pate- uh, papeta, mm-hmm. an Indonesian porridge made from sur- starch, placed second and third, respectively. Now, Google showed which countries searched the word Pibimbap uh, most, right? Yes, the country with the largest increase in searches for Pibimbap was India, second place was Singapore, and third place was Sweden. The popularity of Pibimbap in India is related to the popularity of Korean dramas. Mm-hmm. Posts in India explaining how to cook the dish introduced it as a dish from a drama released back in 2016 called Descendants of the Sun or Taeyang Ehuye in Korean. Well, Descendants of the Sun is one of the breakout dramas that saw huge popularity overseas. That's right. <laughs> and how did K-dramas start to win the hearts of uh, people in India? <laughs> it was all due uh, to do with the use of streaming services, increasing ah. due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. In 2021, an Indian news outlet reported that the number of people watching K-dramas through OTT platforms in the country increased by more than 370% in 2020. Mm-hmm. compared to the previous year. Mm-hmm. And interest did not fade even after the pandemic became endemic. A British public service broadcaster said in March that K-drama content, which sensuously depicts somewhat exaggerated romance, <laughs> suits the taste of Indian viewers. Well, we have something in common there yeah. as well. <laughs> and there's, uh, uh, that's all we have time for today's Career Trending. And thanks for joining us today, Diane. And see you again next time. See you next time. On November 16th this year, many Koreans who sat down to watch the South Korean men's national football team's World Cup qualifying match against Singapore may have been surprised to see a Korean name on the team sheet for Singapore. And that name is Song Young. The South Korean-born Singaporean national has had an extensive career spanning over a decade overseas, playing in Singapore, Thailand and now Indonesia. And since 2021, the midfielder has collected over 20 caps for the Singaporean national football team. To talk to us about his career, beginning uh, becoming a Singaporean national and playing against the Taeguk Warriors. We're pleased to have Song Young join to us today for Touch Base in Seoul via video call. Hello and thank you for your time. Hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> I am Wei Young Song. Wonderful. Thank you for having me here. <laughs> thank you for joining us. And first of all, can you tell us about your love for football? Where did it all began? 
Um, after I watched the 2002 World Cup, so we were hosted in Korea and Japan. Um, I wanted to learn how to be a good soccer player. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I wanted to be like like the player who won on the TV. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, I started. Yeah, I started to have my my dream. Uh, how old were you then? Do you remember? Um, I was I was nine years old. I see, I see. And and then it was uh, after about uh, less than ten years after that, you took the decisive step in 2011 to move overseas and pursue your football career uh, at the age of 18, and you joined Home United, uh, now known as Lion City Sailors, and uh, uh, who plays in the Singaporean. Premier League. Uh, how did that opportunity go uh, about? Um, the time I was um, about to graduate the high school and joined the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my family was difficult situation to support me because of uh, finance issue. Yeah, so yeah, my high school head coach sorry due to my uh, situation. And uh, he recommend to the Korean coach uh, who was working for Home United FC in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, yeah, the, his name his name is uh, Lee Im Seng, uh-huh. coach Lee Im Seng. Yeah, he worked in some Samsung um, Blue Wings before. Uh-huh. Yeah, then um, he watched my match and he decided to offer to me. Uh-huh. And I joined the Home United football. Mm-hmm. Mm. And how did you feel at the time? Was moving to Singapore a difficult situation? And how uh, was your first arrival and your first impressions uh, joining an overseas football league? Um, to be honest, I was afraid to go to Singapore. Yeah, I was young and I didn't even speak English. And yeah, I never, I never visited in Singapore before in my life. So yeah, as I said earlier, I was, I was very afraid to go, and uh, I didn't want to leave from my, uh, from my hometown. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had no uh, many options at the time, and uh, if I joined the professional league, then I could have support for my family. So yeah, it was my uh, biggest motivation to go to Singapore and play, play as a professional footballer. And you spent a decade in Singapore, and, 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 and you had uh, lots of matches, and, and that also culminated in 2021, which was quite the banner year in your career. First, you were part of the Lion City Sailors uh, that won the 2021 Singapore Premier League. I believe you scored seven goals and 15 appearances and helped the side qualify for the AFC Champions. League uh, group stage. Also, that year saw one of the biggest changes in your life. Uh, you were granted Singapore citizenship. Can you tell us more about how you decided to become a Singapore national? Mm, yeah, the idea it was uh, it was being my stone of my life, and uh, yeah, I've been in Singapore as many years, and uh, I showed a good performance on the field. And uh, the people who who was working for FAS, the Football Association in Singapore, 
uh, yeah, they uh, asked me to work for Singapore national team. Yeah, so yeah, it was very difficult decision to make as, uh, you know, I mean, that changed my uh, nationality. Then, um, but, but it, it was, I, a, I mean, as, as, yeah. It, it was quite an opportunity for you. Yes, um, as like a player, um, to be represent the country, you know, it is not easy to have the opportunity, you know. So yeah, I decided to convert my nationality and apply for Singapore national team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, after becoming a Singaporean national, uh, you were called up for the national team that same year. And uh, how did that opportunity come about? And um, and what? Uh, how how did you train uh, with the uh, other national uh, footballers in Singapore? Um. My team was uh, one of the strongest team in uh, Singapore in the football league, and um, the players around me, um, they they were all the national team players. So I already used to work together with them. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, so for their teamwork, actually I had no, no really problem to to play football and work together with them. So. Yeah, when I when I play the for Singapore national team as the first game, yeah, to be honest, I was comfortable to work with them, but there was some pressure to play for the country. The pressure was different; it was huge. But yeah, game by game, I um, I, I I I was able to control the uh, the pressure and. Um, yeah, then I uh, I felt that I becoming like a big player. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt at the moment. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, many Koreans may have been surprised to see a Korean name on the team sheet for Singapore in November. Um, and how did you feel when you found out that you would be playing against Korea? I'm sure it must have been a surprise for you as well. Um, how did yeah, you very feel? Much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was exciting and at the, at the same time I was very nervous to play against the South Korean national team. Yeah, as everybody knows that um, yeah, the player who working for South Korean national team, they are really excellent player. Mm-hmm. And uh, Singapore yeah, team, yes, we are, we are all like professional and working hard, but um, we have up like uh, we can compete against that excellent player or not yeah but uh, we we train very hard and uh, we prepare very well against south korea then uh, yeah we did our best um just for myself yeah as i saw yeah it was very exciting to play against uh, south korea sometimes i couldn't sleep very well on the bed because the many thoughts comes to me and uh yeah so before playing the game, I was very nervous. Yeah, I, I couldn't sleep very well in many days. It must have been very conflicting in one way, a mixed feelings that you had. It must have been very, very joyful, uh, a very uh, a, a joyous occasion to um, play against the Korean, your uh, 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 former colleagues, let's say. Um, 
And uh, what did you feel uh, going into the match as you were lining up? Um, yeah, after our live in the in the Sangam uh, South World Cup Stadium, um, yeah, I was very excited to to enter the field and to face the South Korean national player. Um, yeah, I wanted to play very well. I wanted to show the group of most uh, Korean fans I had a hundred percent motivation, you know. Yeah, we lost the five zero, but um yeah, it was very good experience for me. And uh yeah, I I cannot forget this this memory. Of course. And and after the game, the players from both countries met to swap, uh, uh, to talk and swap uh, T-shirts um, and have your photo yeah. taken. Um, did you have a chance to talk? I know you uh, uh, you uh, greeted each other as you were entering um, the uh, match. But did you have a chance to talk at length with Korean players? Uh, yeah, I, I had some more talk with uh, Hee Chan Hwang. Uh, on the turner before enter the field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he asked me about uh, Singapore life uh-huh. and Singapore football and Singapore national team as well. Uh, yeah, I was thankful to him to ask about this. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I talked to him like, okay, if you come to Singapore for away game, mm-hmm. please let me know. I will bring you to the the best corner restaurant in Singapore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I asked him whether we can cha- we can exchange the shirt. Mm-hmm. I just asked him. Then yeah, after the game, yes, he he came to me and changed the jersey. Wonderful, wonderful. And did you have a yeah. chance to socialize more while you were still in South Korea before uh, you left? Uh yeah. Um, yeah, on the field, off the field, so many Korean fans mm-hmm. were supporting me. And, um, yeah, some of them said, um, hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't recognize you before, but now I know you, I'm going to support you. Uh, yeah, many fans just talked to me just like this way, mm-hmm. very positive. Um, yeah, I was really appreciative. And uh, I know that you've had a lot of uh, uh, people reach out to you through uh, 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 social media and uh, talk to you, uh, and as you, as you mentioned, your supporters. How has that response been? Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it so much. And um, most of the comments and messages were very positive. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was worried that I uh, come out to my nationality. So the people think like a uh, little bit bad way, you know. But um, I really thankfully like they they send the support and uh, they send message all like very positive way. So I, I I appreciate this so much. Wonderful, and and I know you enjoyed a very uh, uh, brilliant career at the Lions, uh, but now you are with uh, the Indonesian team. Um, and what is next for Song Young? What are the next goals you'd like to achieve in your career with the new team? And could you ever see yourself coming back even to Korea to play in K League? Um, my first first target is I want to go through uh, what the qualifier, the crew stage. 
um, you know, to make it the Singapore team need to win against uh, need to win against China and Thailand. And yes, we need to get at least one point against South Korea in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I'm doing my best to prepare for the coming games. And uh, yeah, um, if I would have the opportunity to go and play in the Catholic, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, I wish to go. Do you have a, a team possibly in mind? Um, after I play the for Asian Champions League mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. Uh, Daegu FC, mm-hmm. um, we had uh, many talk mm. about uh, joining, and uh, we negotiated many things about my contract. But yes, end of the day, yeah, we couldn't make it. But I already have some relationship with Daegu FC, so yeah, if I could choose to join the, the one of the Kelly team. Yeah, I want to join the day we're to see. And we wish you all the best for the coming year and for the future career, possibly in K-League. Um, and that was Korean-Singaporean uh, footballer Song Yi-young uh, talking to us on video call for Touch Basin. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Truth is, I am Iron Man. <laughs> Hongyong Korea, this is Bob Layton, co-creator of Iron Man. You are listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. And for the final part of the show, we have our daily segment, Morning Edition Preview, where we'll take a look at some of the biggest stories from tomorrow's papers. The Korea Times and the Korea Herald have been kind enough to give us a preview of their editions for tomorrow. So we are very grateful for that. And our staff editor at KBS English Service, Richard Larkin, joins us in the studio. Hello, Richard. It's good to see you again. Hello, Hijan. Good to see you too. Okay, so to start us off, I believe you've brought us an article about art. Yes, well, kind of about art. It's a, a bit more wide than that. But, <laughs> but yeah, so Arts Council Korea is an organization that provides support to various types of arts and cultural activities in the country. Mm-hmm. So they include opera, traditional performances, musical theater productions, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. Well, the organization has announced that it will fund 28 new projects. Mm-hmm. And Park Goyeon's article in the culture section of the Korea Herald has information about them. Oh, well. This fund is provided to new productions so that they can get their foot off the ground. Right. And it's especially important these days as Korean content is seeing a huge popularity <laughs> overseas. Right, yeah. It's, it's a great way to promote Korean culture around the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the article mentions that over 270 works have, been re- have received support through mm-hmm. this fund since the organization was launched 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Diversity and originality are two of the factors that are taken into consideration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is a three-step evaluation process, though, I guess so that the funds aren't misused in any way. Uh, First, there is a document review. Then there is an interview part. And finally, an on-site evaluation. Mm -hmm. And for those who are chosen, the organization also helps with promotion and distribution. Mm -hmm. And can you uh, take us through the the selected works from that process? Sure, but uh, the exact list of productions that received the fund will not be unveiled until the early part of next Uh year. But the article mentions that actress Cha Ji-yeon was chosen. So she is someone who has uh, worked in a variety 
variety of genres, mm-hmm. including musical and traditional arts. Mm-hmm. The fund will help her with her role as performing arts ambassador next year. Ooh. So as ambassador, she plans on taking part in various types of activities mm-hmm. to promote the performing arts. I see. The article adds that four original musicals and four music pieces were also chosen. And hopefully these funds will, these works will be able to get the start they need. Mm. Uh, and who knows, maybe a few of them uh, can be the next Korean big production <laughs> right. that can be seen around the world. Okay, what's the next article that you have for us? Next is Lee Hyun's article in the national section of the Korea Times. If you love Christmas like I do, and I really love Christmas, <laughs> then you'll be interested in this article. It's about the seasonal programs that will take place in 12 parks in Seoul from December to February next year. Mm-hmm. These programs give visitors the chance to enjoy Christmas and the New Year outside mm. and maybe take some pretty photos for social media. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and with these programs, there is a little twist. Uh-huh. Uh, before we find out what that twist is, <laughs> tell us more about the programs. Uh, how many are there? 89 altogether. <gasps> so plenty of options to choose from. Wow. Let, me throw, uh, let me go through just a couple of them. Mm-hmm. According to the article, a winter-themed light festival will Ooh. illuminate the city centre from Friday until January 21st. Photo ops galore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from Seoul's Sejong-Dero intersection mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Sungle-Moon Gate mm-hmm. and Seoul Station, mm-hmm. people will get the chance to see snowflake decorations mm-hmm. and twinkling lights on the trees and on the floor. Of course. And if you head to Seoul Botanic Park or Namsan Park, you'll be able to make fresh Christmas wreaths and garlands out of pine branches and decoration pieces. Ooh, very, very uh, festive and fragrant. (laughs) Yes. Um, Sounds like a nice activity for the family. And they can make Christmas decorations. So uh, what is the twist that you (laughs) mentioned earlier? Well, it's a good twist. Uh, (laughs) Most of these programs are eco-friendly. Oh, good. So you can have fun while also looking after the environment. Very, very imperative these days. Uh, There are also programs that are not Christmas related so for example this month Wilcup Park located near Seoul Wilcup Stadium mm-hmm. offers a bird watching and constellation observing program Oh. then in Boreme Park in Southern Seoul mm-hmm. carbon neutral uh, winter game programs where children can make toys and experience Korean folk games will take place mm-hmm. these are just a small selection of options that are available over the next couple of months mm-hmm. and if any of our listeners would like to find out more then they can head to parks.seoul.go Of course, and uh, our listeners are going to peruse through that (laughs) list carefully. Now, thank you, uh, Richard, for bringing us these articles. Thank you. Well, this brings us to the end of today's edition of Korea 24. We'll bring you the latest in Korea tomorrow. I've been your host, Kui Jin, filling in for Kwon Jang-ho for the next couple of days. Thank you and goodbye. KBS World Radio.